1: What is good, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Off Day Debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL Show. I'm Rob Guerrero from Niners Nation and happy to be joined by a man doing double duty this week for the SB Nation NFL Show, Brandon Lee Gowden of Bleeding Green Nation. What is up, sir?
2: stats they called me in on the monday football monday podcast to, you know help juice the numbers a little bit boost it up they, they wanted the you know the high profile that the podcast delivers here so it was a nice little stay but i'm happy to be back on the main show of the SB nation nfl show feet with you
1: yeah i feel like i don't know like you've been dating around i don't like it i'm sorry i'm back now you say you're sorry but you're smiling so see i'm not totally sure uh, we want to remind you, rate, review, and subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show. If you like what you hear, it really does make a big difference. And we had a whole show planned, BLG. We were going to talk about the over-unders for the 2021 season, but the win totals, they just came out. It's one of my favorite days of the year. I love the win totals. And then in the middle of the day, bam, I get the alert from Adam Schefter. That the Panthers are trading for Sam Darnold. They finally get their quarterback. They give up a second, a uh, excuse me, a sixth round pick this year, a second and a fourth in 2022 to acquire Sam Darnold. And I need help with this one because I don't quite understand it. So we're going to get help. We're going to talk to Bradley Smith of Cat Scratch Reader, our Carolina Panthers community here at SB Nation. Bradley, thanks for the time this morning. Oh, thanks for having me. Okay, here's the thing. I feel like I'm about to say a bunch of mean stuff about the Panthers, and so I want you to tell me when I'm being unfair, because this trade makes no sense to me whatsoever. I don't know why Carolina would be interested in Sam Darnold.
3: Okay, first of all, there is absolutely nothing that you can say that will hurt me. Um, (laughs) I've been a Panthers fan for long enough now to know that uh, everything is subject, you know, pain is not real, so... (laughs) fire away. Um but I mean to me it's they're looking for a quarterback. They're looking for an identity. We haven't had one since Cam Newton left unceremoniously. And, you know, they thought they had that with Teddy Bridgewater. And as we saw, it turns out that's not, you know, it didn't turn out the way we would hope it would. And so they're gonna take another shot and throw another dart at the dartboard and see what happens.
2: Bradley, I've had this theory here that a lot of what we've seen, even dating back to the 49ers trade up to number 3, um, but especially more so now in this case with the Carolina Panthers, uh with, with all this quarterback or this, you know, positioning to get a quarterback or acquiring a quarterback in the case of Sam Darnold has to do with Deshaun Watson. And I think the Carolina Panthers, you know I remember reading uh, earlier this offseason David Tepper was like really all in on Deshaun Watson. So I guess I want to get your thinking on that. Like, do you think the Panthers reached a point where it was like, well, we're probably not going to be able to count on that because obviously Deshaun is watching status very much up in the air right now. Uh, and it's like they had to do something because otherwise they're just stuck with Teddy.
3: I think you're exactly right. Uh, I think that we were one of the teams that were in on Deshaun Watson, and David Tepper had all but came out and blatantly said, I'm going to make Deshaun Watson a Panther, come hell or high water. <laughs> um, and with all of this um, off field stuff that's now coming out, you know, they had to move on. They can't trade multiple first round picks, multiple players for Deshaun Watson now, and then all of this stuff be true like that would be a disaster so it's best for both sides well for the panthers especially for them to just move on to plan b c d e or f whatever sam darnold is in the alphabet here um because i think they want to do something to move on from teddy bridgewater i don't think you know they can say whatever they want about well he may still be here that's a lie they're gonna dump him they're gonna get whatever they can get uh there is absolutely no way that Teddy Bridgewater is going to be on the, on the roster this year. Um, so, you know, I, I do think that Deshaun was, was option a, and probably a B and C. Um, but yeah, it, it's the right move to move on. Cause we don't know what's going on there and it's too unclear at this time to, to make that kind of trade. So, Sam Darnold was available. I think San Francisco moving up to number three threw a huge wrench in this whole thing because now that all but guarantees the top four quarterbacks are all going to be gone by the time the eighth pick comes up in the draft. And it would cost more to move up to draft Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, you know, one of those guys than it did
1: to acquire Sam Darnold. So they they went with the, the, the cheaper option. So let's talk about that for a second, because you mentioned the 49ers moving up and and you mentioned how David Tepper did not hide his intentions about a quarterback. Do you think that maybe that was a mistake? Because not only do you raise the level of expectations of the fan base, who are now probably a little disappointed, at least some of them, but also you announced to all your competitors, hey, watch out for us. We're going for a quarterback. And so... Do you think if Tepper had played his cards a little closer to the chest that maybe the Niners wouldn't have felt the urgency to move up to number three?
3: Yeah, I think Tepper does kind of speak a little too much. Um, You know, it's hard for me to, you know, sitting here at my nine to five to tell a man worth $11 billion what to do and what not to do. But I do think that he could have kept it under wraps a little bit. I do think San Francisco was going to trade up anyway because they're in their own situation similar to what Carolina's in with, with Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, but I I think if Carolina really wanted to trade up to number three with Miami, they could have made a a trade similar to what San Francisco did, if they really wanted to do that. Uh, now, this could have all been a big brain scheme by David Tepper because he really wanted Sam Darnold. You know, I doubt that, but um, I, I do think that um, and if he would have kept his mouth a little bit more closed than he did, we would have had a better shot at you know getting a guy that we, we really wanted.
2: The thing with me for the Darnold trade, Bradley, is like what is the ceiling? You know, what is the ceiling outcome for this move? Like what is the best case scenario here? I want you to kinda touch on that if you can for me and also kinda can you can you give me this can you give me a grade for this trade from the Panthers perspective?
3: Okay. Um I will grade it right now because I it's kind of un it's unfair and hard to grade it fairly because he hasn't played for us yet. But I would say it's a B or a C-plus, you know, somewhere in there. Uh, The positives, they didn't give up a first-round pick. They didn't give up a lot of draft capital. It's a sixth-rounder this year, and then a second and fourth-rounder next year. And a second-round pick is a lot, but it's not like we traded three firsts and, you know, Brian Burns or Jeremy Chin to make this deal like we would have had to do for Deshaun Watson. So, you know, we got a better deal from a cap, you know, draft capital perspective. Um, I think the ceiling for Sam Darnold, I, I know he's only 23 years old. I mean, the ceiling is franchise MVP caliber quarterback. It's just a matter of, is he potentially that guy that has just been ruined by being in a complete disaster of a franchise and coaching situation or is, is have we seen what Sam Darnold is? So um, the Panthers feel like that it's mostly the situation he was in. You know, they look at Joe Brady and what he did with Joe Burrow. They turned Joe Burrow from a guy who couldn't even beat Dwayne Haskins out into the Heisman Trophy and number one overall pick. So they see something in Sam Darnold that they believe Joe Brady can, you know,
1: reboost his career. And they feel like it's worth the risk. I look at it and say, I've seen three years of this guy. It can't all be Adam Gase's fault, right? I mean, I know Adam Gase was bad. Believe me, he was hideous. But I just, I can't pin it all on Gase and say, I'm going to give up three picks for Sam Darnold, a guy who knowingly sees ghosts and just hope that he's the guy. It's like to me, I, I would have stuck it out with Teddy for another year and then tried to make a move either for Deshaun later or move up in the draft next year to try and get a quarterback.
3: Yeah, uh, the the seeing ghost thing really doesn't help his, his case of being <laughs> a starting NFL quarterback. Um, I mean, it's not just Adam Gase. You know, the Jets have been terrible for the last decade now, but they've especially been terrible for the last couple of years. I mean, he, he had Robbie Anderson, which we currently have now on our roster, and that's really all he's had. I mean – None of his running backs were better than Christian McCaffrey. None of his uh, other wide receivers were comparable to DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. And you know we we signed Dan Arnold, tight end, who's an up and coming tight end, and we actually have things and people in place to give him a chance to actually be good. Um, Our offensive line is better than New York's offensive line. I don't think he'll see ghosts uh, in Carolina. Now, granted, we do need a left tackle. Of course, I think 30 of the 32 teams in the league need a left tackle. But uh, I think that if you look at Ryan Tannehill, for example, look at what he was in Miami with Adam Gase, and then look at what he was in Tennessee – Without Adam Gase, I think you can see a similar transition with Sam
2: Darnold. Sam Darnold and Dan Arnold on the same team.
3: I I am excited about that. I'm not going to lie. Darnold to Darnold. I cannot wait.
2: Uh, um, What's your expectation for this season, Bradley?
3: Well, my expectation for every Panther season is always disappointment. (laughs) um so i mean before this trade i figured we would be somewhere in the seven and ten because we have 17 games now i have to get used to that um the seven and ten to like nine and eight range somewhere you know mediocre and i'm gonna stick to that i think even with darnold at quarterback we could win between you know six and nine games um I'd lean closer to the seven and 10 because, you know, we went five and 11 last year. We were, of course, we were zero and eight in games by one score where Teddy had a chance to win the game in the fourth quarter, which is why we traded for Sam Darnold in the first place. Um, So, you know, it's a young team. Uh, The defense showed improvement as the season went on last year. So I think there is room for growth there. And I think we could be a, in the hunt team towards the end of the year and then in 2022 if everything works out we could actually compete for you know a playoff spot uh and and actually get a rebuild successful that's my hope anyway
1: well i hope it works out for you sam darnold new carolina panthers quarterback will let you go order your number 14 jersey bradley (laughs) smith from cat scratch reader you can follow him on twitter at b dub smitty thank you very much for the time uh thanks for having me guys that last thing he said, BLG, that he still expects to win essentially, you know, between six and seven games this year. Well, then why give up three picks to get that quarterback if that's all he can do? It it just doesn't make sense to me.
2: Yeah, I really think it comes back to what I was saying about the Watson thing where the Panthers just felt like they had to make a move. So this is, this is almost like a move for a move's sake. And I don't like that. Uh, I get uh, I mean, they could have done worse. I think that is true in terms of the profile. In terms of the profile of a player, a guy who's what, like only twenty three, uh, former number two overall pick. Like, you could take a ch- uh, a chance on a worse uh, like profile than that. Um, but I I knew he was gonna. I knew Bradley was gonna bring up the Tannehill comparison. I knew because I feel yep. like a lot of people. I, I just I caution against that. I very much I get it from the Adam Gates perspective, but like. I think people have maybe a misconception. I'm not trying to single out Bradley here. I'm just saying the the because even people bring this up with Carson Wentz too, like this this like it's just common that this late career or you know later in the career like revival can happen. And I'm just skeptical about that because I mean you look at Ryan Tannehill, he wasn't really bad in Miami stats. He was forty two and forty-six as a starter, like four games above or below five hundred. He had an 87 pass rating. That's not great, but like that's kind of more like mediocre than terrible, which Sam Darnold has been. Sam Darnold is way worse than that. He has a 78.6 career pass rating. He has he's 13 and 25 as a starter. He's never played more than 13 games in a season. Like I, I just don't love the profile there. And on Tannehill, guess which team uh had the fewest passing attempts in 2019 and then the third fewest in 2020. Guess what? It was the Titans. They run the ball. That's easier there. I mean, now maybe you can say Christian McCaffrey or Caffrey is uh, the key to kind of helping out Sam Darnold there. But again, to your point, then why make that trade if if the quarterback doesn't matter as much?
1: I don't know. First of all, how Sam Darnold could have played any worse, and people still see value in him—that blows my mind. And also, it's been reported that nobody else wanted him, so the Panthers were bidding against nobody and still gave up a second-round pick and two other picks? Like, that is nuts to me. And the last thing I'll say is, you know, people still say, well, Carolina could take a quarterback at eight if if someone falls to them. So now, at your quarterback position, you've spent the number eight overall pick, the sixth-rounder in 2021, and two picks in 2022 to get whatever quarterback happens to be left this year and Sam Darnold. Like, that is not an efficient use of your resources in carolina which stuns me because i really thought that they understood that kind of a thing but this just completely erases that
2: so two things uh first thing i think i saw denver was rumored to be interested in him so if you, if you take that for what it's worth maybe there was not another mm-hmm. team and then uh i did like the idea of acquiring sam Darnold on the cheap like if you could have gotten him for let's say like a third round pick and like I don't know, like a compensatory third round pick. So like a later third round pick. I think that's fine. I think it's a fine dart throw to take. He can't be your only plan. He can't be like the all in. This is our guy. Like if he's like, we'll take a flyer on him. Then sure. I think that's fine. Uh, And then number two, who would you rather have stats for the cost of acquisition and everything? Would you rather have Sam Darnold for what the uh, Panthers had to get him? Or would you rather have Mitchell Trubisky for $2.5 million?
1: boy those those are my only options that is i'm having a rough day at that point but i would take trubisky like see yeah i would i i i just don't like three picks for sam darnold a guy that has given us no indication whatsoever that he can be a viable quarterback in the national football league all right let's take a break and then we'll get to the meat of the episode blg my favorite thing Win totals are out. DraftKings, thank you very much. You've given me a Christmas present. We are going to pick our best bet from each division. So stay tuned, and we'll hit that after the break.
0: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make
1: Welcome back to the Off Day Debrief here on the SB Nation NFL show. We always remind you to rate, review, and subscribe. And BLG, you found a review that you want to read.
2: Yeah, this is from Mario Cap, with two Ps and cap there. Stats and BLG, thanks for the great podcast. I have been an Eagles fan for 50 years. I feel pretty low at this point. First, we gave Joe Flacco (laughs) $3.5 I graduated from the University of Delaware, which is where Flacco graduated from. Uh But even I recognize that this deal is stupid. Now we give up an almost sure chance of getting a blue chip player by trading down. I have no confidence in the Eagles front office. So uh, Mario really appreciated me having no hope in, or no faith in the Eagles last week. And Mario's review stats is just a further uh, point in my favor about how the SB Nation NFL is really just uh, Eagles podcast with a national focus. So there you go.
1: I, is that your burner account? Like, should I just start calling you Mario now? You can. I mean, he basically said exactly what you said. No confidence. You're not going to get the elite talent when you move down. Like, that is a, the scent to hate is strong with the Eagles fan base.
2: Look, I, I speak for the people stats, so what, what can I say?
1: <laughs> All right, the people's champ is here with you. Let's get into some of these over-unders because I love this. It's one of my favorite things, and we're going to do one from each division. You want to start in the AFC East. So I will give you the honors here. It's Masters time, so I'll give you honors. You first off the tee.
2: J E T S Jets, 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 Jets. I'm going with the Jets, who have a six point five win total. I'm going the over on the Jets. Maybe it's irresponsible. Maybe I'm caught up in how I think the Jets are making smart moves. I mean, you have Joe Douglas here. Who? Let me just read you off these these picks that the Jets have stats. So 2021. Their own first rounder, Seattle's first rounder, their own second rounder, their own third rounder, Seattle's third rounder, fourth rounder, fifth rounder, fifth rounder from the Giants, sixth rounder, sixth rounder from the Panthers. Next year, they have two firsts again, one from Seattle, two seconds, one from Carolina, a third, a fourth that they previously didn't have, dinks the to the Jamal Adams traded so they got that back fourth two fifths one from Pittsburgh and then three six one from Tampa Bay one from your 49ers so the debts are loaded here moving forward and I think uh, obviously maybe they're a little bit further away than I'm getting excited about them. the hype is there for because uh, that you know they have yet to make all these picks but I think you know having the opportunity to do that in this year's draft in addition to you know bringing in Corey Davis and getting rid of Sam Darnold and potentially upgrading at quarterback and I, I you know I like the Robert Sala hire so i just I think that the arrow is pointed in the right direction for the jets i'm gonna take the over i'm gonna say i don't know if it's gonna be much over It might only be like seven eight wins but i think they're gonna get above 6.5 i think this team is gonna be much more competent
1: i completely agree with you i think there's a chance that robert sala is the best coach the jets have ever had they don't know it yet but i'm really confident in him getting to see him in san francisco they have as you pointed out 21 picks in the next two years And seven of those come in rounds one or two. Like, that is a massive haul. I don't know if Joe Douglas knows how to draft players, but it is clear he knows how to acquire picks. He got multiple first rounds for Jamal Adams. He got multiple picks for Sam Darnold, who, I mean, he has been awful in New York. Like, there's just no other way to say it. And he got three picks, including a second rounder. Joe Douglas knows how to acquire picks. Now, like you've said with Howie Roseman, it's, there's a different part of this now. Like you can't just acquire the picks. You actually have to use them on good players. So we'll see what happens. But if you're a Jets fan right now, it's going to be fun because you've got a bunch of picks and you need skill players. So you're going to have some fun drafts because you're going to be going after wide receivers and running backs and tight ends.
2: And it's going to be awesome as a Jet fan. And then I just think, you know, going beyond executing the picks in the draft. Now they just have the option of, like, if a star player unexpectedly becomes available, because that's that's something that happens in the NFL, uh, like, a lot. You know, we see, like, oh, this guy, never thought he'd be available. Well, boom, now the Jets can go get him to, to surround. And it could be, you know, a high-profile wide receiver, whoever. Um, so, yeah, I, I just feel optimistic about the Jets, which is probably a Dame, dangerous place to be, and I feel huh. like Jets fans are probably feeling that way, too. But uh, I don't know. I just have a good... Uh, I, When I see a smart front office, stats, I think that's what's giving me so much faith. When I the Jamal Adams trade was a heist, the Sam Darnold trade was a heist. I feel like this front office knows what they're doing.
1: And uh, yeah, I think it's rare that we've been able to say that about the Jets. And I've talked to some Jet fans out there who say, "Oh, I can't wait to see how they screw it up," you know. And maybe they will, but right now it all looks good, and it's rare that you can say that about Gang Green. All right, my pick in the AFC East, and I know you're going to hate this because I heard Monday Football Monday, I'm taking the Patriots over nine. And I know you think I'm nuts. The, ro- the talent on the roster is better this year. That's undeniable. It had to be better this year because it was horrible last year. The guys that they bring in, Johnu Smith and Hunter Henry, are better than anybody else they had. And between all the opt-outs and Cam getting COVID and he's in his second year in the system now, I think they have to be better than they were last year. And if you look over the past five years, the team that has spent the most money in free agency has improved their team the next year by five wins. So if that holds true, then the Patriots are going to be over nine wins. Look at their schedule, BLG. I feel comfortable right now saying that the Patriots are going to be Atlanta, Carolina, Houston, Miami, the Jets, the Jacks. That's one, two, three, four. Is that five, six wins right there?
2: Look, Stats, uh, you're just wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong <laughs> about the Patriots, as always. I think that what they did this offseason is almost like, it's almost the reverse of this saying about the Jets where like that's not a smart front office. The actions of a smart front office where it was an, actions of a desperate front office. And I think your stat there about the improvement is noteworthy. But like, I want to wonder about the context there in terms of that seems like that's probably about new teams, you know, or teams with like new eras, new head coaches, bringing a new quarterback, you know, being bad, having all this cap space to spend because presumably they don't have a quarterback contract on the books. And I think the quarterback position is still very much up in the air in terms of what you can expect out of that from cam newton we've talked about that and you and i know you feel similarly to that in terms of not being you know fully sold on him so i I just don't believe in it yet um i think some of these contracts they handed out were pretty misguided and i think maybe i'm just operating on like football karma here or front office karma and it just doesn't (laughs) feel like the the you know the makings of like a smart team to me it's it's more desperation and and so i'm gonna take the under
1: I know that you had an issue with the idea of the Patriots kind of running their offense out of 12 personnel with the two tight ends, but I I just, I can't imagine Belichick being wrong on something like that. He's a guy who historically has been ahead of the curve on all this stuff, right? He was ahead of the curve running the two tight ends back in the day with Aaron Hernandez. He was the guy that would go to Oregon to watch chip Kelly. And he brought that sort of fast paced offense into the NFL The Patriots were one of the first teams that would rush up to the line after a questionable call to try and get a playoff before they could review it. Like, I feel like Belichick is always at the front of the line with this stuff. So unless you're telling me that all of a sudden he's going to move to the back of the line, I just feel like it's going to work out because he seems to skate where the puck is going.
2: Like I said on Monday's podcast, that's Tom Brady was the culture. And I hate to admit that, but I feel like I just have more faith in him. Uh, I, I think Belichick has gotten more credit uh, off of him than the other way around. And I just don't have a and, and just looking at where the, page, uh, the Patriots are standing here in the AFC East now. I think like I just said, I think the Jets are on the come up. I think the Dolphins, I don't know what fully to expect from them. Because of Tua, the Tua factor, but I do like the defense still. I think Brian Forrest is a, is a good head coach, so I like that. Um, the Bills are still here, and I don't really think they're going to drop off unless you know Josh Allen has some massive regression in terms of accuracy, which isn't impossible. But I still think even if he does, it's still a pretty good roster and coaching staff and everything around him. So I, th- I think it's a tough division, and I just don't think it's a lock. All right, let's move on to the AFC South. For me, Stats, what a surprise. I'm taking the Colts on the under of 10. (laughs) Most predictable choice. Look, is Carson Wentz an upgrade on Phillip Rivers from last year? Maybe. Maybe. Probably not. But that's the thing. Probably not. I mean, you can't you can't say with confidence that he is. You can't say yes, definitely that. You cannot say that. I mean, you can hope for that if you're a Colts fan. But there's just no way of feeling confident about that. And and I think uh, the Colts have been a little overrated here, as I talked about again on Monday in terms of Chris Ballard and Frank Reich and everything. Not bad at all. Not certainly not frauds. But I just think you know the way we talk about them is like they're uh, like this great team. They can do no wrong. They have no flaws. Now. The division there kind of makes me wonder if I'll regret this because it's not a great division with the Texans in there. I don't buy the Jags at all, which I think you're going to touch on. And then even the Titans, I think the Titans might take a step back. So they might win and get the over just by the nature of the division. And I look foolish for that, but I just, I don't, I got to go with my guns. What have I been saying about Carson Wentz all offseason? I just, I legitimately don't have any, like, remorse or fear that like he's going to make the Eagles pay for moving on from him. I I am quite concerned about his future, especially showing, seeing that like, I haven't seen a guy who looks like he's humbled or he's changed. And until he proves otherwise, and maybe he, he he does prove me wrong. um, But I'm not going to just count on that happening.
1: And we're not talking about them winning seven or eight games. They got to win 11 games to hit the over, 11 out of 17. Even if you believe in Carson Wentz, that's a lot to ask. That's a tall order for me. So I totally get why you were there. I didn't want to touch that one because I just don't know what we're going to see from Carson. Like he could go one of two ways. He could be really good and and look good because they have an offensive line there that's really good. They're going to put some more weapons around him, I think. So he could be good, but he could also, like you said, be that guy that pouted in Philadelphia and sort of packed it in when times got tough. So I, I didn't feel comfortable enough to go with the Colts, but I, I follow your logic and I don't see any zero lies detected, as they say.
2: The fumbles are always just going to be an issue with him, which again, talked about Monday. I keep saying that like a broken record. And also, I just wonder if the defense might take a little bit of a step back, um, just because Year to year defense just isn't as sticky in terms of like what you can expect as much as an elite offense is, and the offense, you know, I just don't know what we're gonna get out of that. So, so where are you going in the AFC South?
1: This was easy for me. You mentioned it, the Jags under six and a half. I have made no bones about this from the second the news broke. I am not an Urban Meyer guy. I don't like Urban Meyer as a person, and I don't like him as a football coach in the NFL. If you go back and look at his history, anytime he's won big, and I'm talking about championships, I'm not talking about Mountain West titles. When he's won big, he has had way more talent than anybody else. Well, guess what, coach? You are leading the Jags. You know what you don't have? You don't have more talent than anybody else. And I think that Urban Meyer is going to be a disaster. And when you look at his staff, BLG, Daryl Bevel is your offensive coordinator. Daryl Bevel is like one of two coaches in the entire league that could stop Russell Wilson. The other one is Pete Carroll. He's still in Seattle. You brought Daryl Bevel to your team. You're going to have Trevor Lawrence, right? This jewel of the draft, the prospect of prospects, generational guy and you're going to pair him with Daryl freaking Bevel? I am not buying into the Jags. I don't know how invested Urban Meyer is. Every time the going gets tough, Urban Meyer finds a way to hit the door. You know, whether it's a health issue or whatever it is, I'm not all in on Urban Meyer. I'm not all in on the Jags roster. I think every team in the division is better. I am pounding the under with Jacksonville.
2: Would it shock you if the Jags were picking number one in the 2022 NFL draft?
1: No, that's the thing. I don't know that they're definitely better than a single team in the league. Do you?
2: They had the youngest roster in the league last year, I believe. And a lot of that is still there. And that's not to say that, you know, I mean, on the upside of that, there's potential there in theory. And maybe those players can get better and develop. But I still think it's a very young roster and they're not ready to win. And the head coach is absolutely a major question mark. Going back to the, the theme of this episode for me, apparently, like football karma. I mean, yeah. not there for Urban Meyer. So I don't know I'm going to bet on that. Yeah, I mean, the, the onus has to be on him to prove it. I don't think he, he comes in, comes into the NFL and yeah, like, oh, we just give Urban Meyer the benefit of the doubt because he's won everywhere. No, it's a totally different equation and just – to the start, he's off, you know, with the whole strength and conditioning coach thing. I just mm-hmm. know, like, why, why do I feel, what makes me feel good about this? Trevor Lawrence does, having him, sure. But, I mean, maybe uh, if anyone could mess it up, it would be this situation.
1: <laughs> I mean, they'll, they'll win a couple games, I'm sure, because I, I, if Lawrence is as good as everybody says, they'll be good enough to steal a couple wins. But it's not going to happen seven times, and that's what it's got to happen if you're going to hit the over on this. So to me, it was easy. Jags under six and a half. Next up for us,
2: BLG, the AFC North. I have the Ravens under 11. I was, wait, I was like surprised to see they were this high. 11 for the Ravens? Why? Why are they <laughs> that high? Well, I think they they like John
1: Harbaugh. They like Lamar Jackson. They like the defense there. I mean, the Ravens, they could. I mean, they won what they went two years ago. They won what, 14 games?
2: Yeah, but that's Lamar at his very best. And I think we saw the offense come back to earth and they had a really bad stretch for a while there. Like the offense looked broken. And now, you know, they figured out towards the end of the year and I started to kind of like them more again. But I think 11 is still like kind of high. And I feel like it's kind of, it's. I feel like the 11 number is coming from where they were at their peak. It's like that is still a top of mind, but I don't think that's the right evaluation because we saw some lows in there too. I just, I don't feel comfortable with that at all. And, you know, with the AFC being as tough as it is, especially at the top um, and like, you know, the Browns are, are better potentially like the, the division isn't a cakewalk. All of a sudden the Bengals might be, you know, less of a joke if, you know, Burrow gets back healthy and they kind of figure things out there and maybe they get to chase at number five and the Steelers. I don't know what to make of them, but like they haven't had a losing season since what 2003. So I'm not going to just assume they're like, you know, two easy wins either. I just 11 seems high to me. I, I just was surprised to see that number.
1: Yeah. There aren't any sort of, I don't want to say easy cause that's not the right word, but there aren't any games where necessarily the Ravens, you know, can maybe have an off week and and start slow and then eventually pull it out. Like the, their schedule is, is a meat grinder the AFC in general there's there's really like no joke teams other than Jacksonville as I just pointed out I feel like it's going to be tough all year for them they got to win 12 games to hit that over like they could win 11 games and have a really good year you know it's not to knock them to say that they might not hit the over but I kind of agree with you that it would that was pretty high for Baltimore you know especially cause, like you said it's not Patrick Mahomes at quarterback
2: like they added Sammy Watkins okay like I I'm supposed to feel amazing about that. They're amazing about them now because of that. Like I don't know. I I I just don't love it. They're playing what, the the NFC uh North this year. So they have Green Bay, they have Minnesota, the Bears have Andy Dalton. Uh that's he's Q B one man. You gotta watch out for that. Their defense will still be good. Yeah, I just I don't I'm looking at the schedule and I just don't see I mean, like, okay, maybe Detroit you could say that's an easy win, but I don't know. I'm I'm just not seeing it here. They have to play the Rams too, I think now because of the extra seventeenth game. So so yeah. I don't love it.
1: I, I Sometimes I'll do that as a strategy. I kind of like to pick on some of the higher numbers just because you have to win so many to exceed it. So I like your Baltimore pick. I'm going with the old Baltimore Ravens. That would be the Cleveland Browns. They are <laughs> at nine and a half, BLG. I'm taking the under. And I got like this one hurt. I like the Browns. I like Baker Mayfield. Everybody seems to hate on this guy. I like him. In a league full of robots, he actually has a personality. I root for him. But they've got a couple of things working against them. It's year two with Kevin Stefanski, and I feel like defenses are going to be more prepared for what he did and how he uses his team. I think it's always harder when guys have more tape on you. And also, you're not playing a last-place schedule anymore. And that's something that we haven't been able to say about the Browns in a long time but they're not sneaking up on people. They haven't had to deal with teams getting up for them every week, and that's going to be a different thing for them. You know, it's one thing to deal with adversity, and there has been plenty of that in Cleveland over the years. But dealing with success is a different animal, and no one in that organization has had to deal with success yet, and now we're going to see how they do it. And look at the schedule. All their toughest games for next year are on the road. Obviously, Baltimore and Pittsburgh, that goes without saying it's in the division. They got to play Green Bay in Lambeau, Kansas City in Arrowhead, the Chargers in LA, New England in Foxborough, and Minnesota in Minnesota. Those are brutal road games for them. I just think it's going to be really hard. They were in the playoffs last year, and I don't know about you, I almost wonder if it's harder to make the playoffs two years in a row than it is to go from missing the
2: playoffs one year to into the playoffs the next. I wanted to ring the bell here and take the over, but you read me those games and I don't love that. I do like Kevin Stefanski. I think he's a legitimately good head coach, even if, you know, other teams are going to have time to catch up or study, whatever. I still think he's going to be able to find a way around that. I think he's, I just think he's a legitimately good head coach from what we saw last year. I think the Browns, kind of broke the glass ceiling last year. I don't think this was just about, oh, they they made one nice run, now they're going to go back to being the Browns. I think there's something to like, no, we finally broke through and that was important for us. And now we have the confidence and now we we know we're pointed in the right direction. And look, this team... I mean, they came close to being the Chiefs last year. Like, it wasn't inconceivable that they could have beaten the Chiefs. Uh, so I still have hope for this team. I would stay away from that one. That's what I'll say. I'm not going to go on the under. I'm not going to take the – I wanted to take the over, but I'm just staying away from it.
1: I, like I said, I wanted to take the over. I hope they're good. They're fun to me. But, I, man, I, nine wins I could definitely see happening, which would be the under. So I,
2: I had to pick on Cleveland a little bit. Sorry, Browns fans. Uh, AFC West up next. Chargers. I mean, this is easy. I mean, right. This is like, who isn't taking the Chargers here? The the over on the Chargers at nine wins. I mean, come on. Unless like we're all just kind of, you know, buying in to the Chargers, which has never happened before, like irresponsibly. (laughs) That's never, it's never, ever once happened. Like it's not like every year someone does that. Uh, I I think, you know, Justin Herbert, there's just every reason to believe in that guy, unless you're just worried about him having some kind of weird, you know, sophomore slump. But I'm not I just I think what we saw last year was so impressive when you consider, you know, how he became the starter on short notice and how he took over. And and he wasn't like working with a bunch of all pro players like that's the reason he was successful. And he certainly wasn't succeeding because he had a great head coach to to help him out. Uh, (laughs) So now like you, you have that, you know, in theory, that upgrade there. And and. Look, I, I know this is minor and maybe silly, but I like the Chase Daniel signing for them. I think like if Justin Herbert has to miss a game or two, that's someone who can kind of help keep the season alive, if that's the case. So I, I it comes back to the karma thing for me. I believe in Tom Telesco as a smart general manager. I think the, the Chargers are probably going to do well on the draft here. And I think the arrow is pointing up on them. I think I already said before... If I didn't, like, I'm taking the Chargers to win the AFC West next year.
1: Wow. Okay. You definitely haven't said that to me. This is one of the few teams where we actually agree, BLG. Like, I love the Chargers. Over nine, that was one of the easier picks for me. You talk about Anthony Lynn. Like, I don't know if people realize how much of a disaster Anthony Lynn was when it came to clock management. Last year, here's how bad it is. Actually, I should bring this up first. If you Google Anthony Lynn clock management, The second article you get is all about it, but it's from golf digest. Anthony (sighs) Lynn's clock management is so bad. Golf digest is writing articles, ripping him for it in a game against Buffalo last year. I I, week 12. I don't know how this happened. There was a minute left. They're down by 10. They throw a hail Mary to get to the 10 yard line. They have no timeouts. They don't spike the ball. They don't pass the ball. They Run run the ball. With the clock running, then they throw two incomplete passes. Then they run the field goal unit out there, down 10 with six seconds to go. Then they pull them off the field, and then they run a QB sneak, but apparently the only person that knew about it was Justin Herbert because nobody blocked, and he got popped. Like, what the hell is that? And then, to make it worse, a couple weeks later with the Falcons, at the end of the first half, There's 21 seconds left. They have no timeouts. They have the ball at the 12-yard line going into the end zone. It's third and one. What do they do with 21 seconds left and no timeouts? Run it up the middle. They don't get the first down, so it's fourth down. So they can't spike it. The clock is running. The offense stays out on the field. And then the field goal team runs out on the field late, and they don't get the field goal off. Like That is what they were dealing with with the chargers that's gone now anthony lynn is gone brandon staley is there he led the number one defense in the league last year with the rams i think they have some competency i love the chargers over nine.
2: the chargers had the worst special teams unit in the nfl last year and you kind of just touched on a little bit of why they're part of it like and they won seven games they won se- they were seven to nine so i think you look at herbert's improvement I think you look at the special teams not being a disaster, mean if it can kind of just be merely bad or whatever, kind of just mediocre. I think that makes a difference. And, yeah, I like Staley, too. I think that was a good hire for them. Uh, I had a question about the hire in terms of maximizing Herbert, but uh, I think he, as a head coach, is, is a good candidate to bet on, intrigued by him. So, yeah, give me the Chargers, man. I'm riding with the Chargers.
1: They got Cincy, Denver twice, Houston, the Giants, and Philly. To me, that is six wins that I could put in the bank right now. So then they got to win four more games after that, and they still have games against Cleveland, the Raiders obviously for two, Washington football team, Minnesota, New England, although to be fair, New England kicked their butt last year, so that could be dicey. But I just I think that the, the arrow is pointing up on the Chargers, and that number was just too low for me to avoid. Uh, where are we going next, Stats? Well, we got to go to the NFC now. We have finished off the AFC. Let's go to the, your favorite division, BLG, uh, the NFC East.
2: Yeah. Uh, shocker here. I'm going to take the Eagles under 6.5. I mean, this look, this is a team that was one of the worst teams in the league last year. They, what did they do this offseason to really improve? They signed Anthony Harris. I think that's a fine signing, good deal. They signed Joe Flacco. Like, what have they done to get better? You can say, okay, Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson are going to be healthy. I mean, maybe. They're aging players. Like, what if they get hurt again? That's not a given. And also, are they going to be the same players after all these injuries they've had now? I also think, just look at, like, the Eagles season last year, stats. Who were the quarterbacks they beat? It was Nick Mullins. Oof. It was Ben DiNucci. It was Daniel <laughs> Jones. And, like, the Giants, were I think we up, like, 11 points with... Not too much time to go. And then Evan Ingram drops that pass. It's also the same game. Daniel Jones just fell down in the middle of the field. So, like, the Eagles barely beat Daniel Jones in a game where they were, you know, given other opportunities to uh, to help them win. And Taysom Hill stats. Those are oh. the quarterbacks. Your guy, Taysom Hill. <laughs> they tied rookie Joe Burrow. But those are the four. I'm just going by the four quarterbacks they, they won. We're talking win totals here. Like, those are the guys they beat. Like, those are not real NFL starters. So... And I, I just don't see how this team is getting much better. Now, you can say the division isn't that great, and maybe they'll, they'll be able to get some wins out of that. And maybe you're – I think anyone who's taking the over on the Eagles, and this is what I saw at Winning Green Nation when I did the post about it, they're only saying like seven or eight wins. So they're like just taking the over on that. No one's thinking this team is you know going to have this anything close to a double-digit win season. So I just think the under is easy money to me.
1: The Eagles have the third lowest win total at six and a half, only ahead of the Lions at five and the Texans at four and a half. Let me just try and play devil's advocate and be, put a little sunshine into your life because you're so down. You're so negative. As you have said, Carson Wentz was maybe the worst quarterback in the league last year. Assuming Jalen Hurts isn't that they're going to get better at the most important position. Doesn't that help
2: at all? Jalen Hurts could conceivably be the worst quarterback in the NFL next year. And, and that's not me being an anti Hurts guy. I have hope for him, but like it's very possible. He wasn't good last year on the whole as a rookie. He, I think he showed some signs of promise. I think he has a chance to develop, and, and the book should not be written on him. But like it's not impossible to say he could, like, he is a legitimate candidate. If you're talking about who's going to be the worst starting quarterback in the NFL next year, he's in the conversation. He's a threat to be the worst. So, I just don't feel good about them stats. And going back to the karma thing of it all for the billionth time, there's just not good juju around this team.
1: There is not good juju. You're right about that. I, I totally agree there. My pick for the NFC East, I don't think you're going to like this one. And to me, it's more about the number than the team. The oh Washington boy. football team, over eight, to me, I feel mm. really, they only have to win one more game than they lose for me to hit the number. And that was the most attractive thing. And I started to look at them. What have they done? They added Ryan Fitzpatrick, which I understand you may not love Ryan Fitzpatrick, but he's definitely an upgrade over what they had. Over the last three years, BLG, he has 50 touchdown passes and 33 picks. That's much better than Washington has had. Their offense looks pretty good. Terry McLaurin had a thousand yard season with a popsicle at quarterback, and he was getting all the attention from the defense, and he still put up numbers. Antonio Gibson ran for almost five yards of carry last year and 11 touchdowns. They signed Curtis Samuel from the Panthers. They signed Adam Humphries, who's just their slot guy, but he's worked with Fitzpatrick before in Tampa Bay. They really like him. They got the 19th overall pick. They have the best coach in the division. They have the best defense in the division. I think they have the second best quarterback in the division. All that, to me, adds up for nine wins kind of easily.
2: Yeah, I was just going to bring up the head coaching thing if you weren't going to us and say like they have the best head coach in the division. I think you could argue they have the best, if you're combining them together, I think you can argue they have the best quarterback head coach duo in terms of like like where those two if you're combining them into one thing and like comparing that because I'm not a big McCarthy guy and I know Dak obviously has the edge on Fitzpatrick but I think you know Rivera has a significant edge on McCarthy so at the very least the gap isn't huge and that that was my point on Monday Football Monday like I don't think this division should be assumed the Cowboys division I think Washington is very much a threat to win um, I think what they did last year now Again, the defense thing, maybe it falls off a little bit just because it was so good and it doesn't always stick year to year. But I mean, so Chase Young... Trenches are still pretty good. They have a lot of talent up front, so it's it's not going to be bad. It's not going to be a bad defense, and they added William Jackson, which I think was right. honestly one of the best free agent signings this offseason. I think that was a great add for them. That's an upgrade on Ronald Darby. who wasn't even bad for Washington last year, but like they got even better at that position. So I think that's a good bet by you. I, I'm surprised it's that low, actually. Um, I know there hasn't been a repeat NFC East winner in forever, but there doesn't necessarily need to be for Washington to, to get to where you have them there.
1: And I just feel like with the talent they have, they could beat anybody. Now, they could lose to anybody because Fitzpatrick could throw a bunch of picks, but they could beat anybody. And so I only need that coin to come up tails one more time than it comes up heads for me to hit it. So I think
2: I feel most comfortable about this pick. Now, there's the Dan Steiner factor. You cannot rule that out. True. It's like Washington being Washington and like them just like having weird things that happen and like go wrong and they're a mess. And because that's what happens in Washington historically. Like that is they, they had. um, What's his name? Scott McClellan. And it seemed like, oh, wow, this organization might kind of be pointed in the right direction. You know, Cousins had emerged as a starter, and it seemed like they were kind of making smart picks. But then they basically fired him for no good reason. So uh, I I would not rule them out, you know, just because of how historically they've been a disaster. That is a factor that lurks. But I I feel good about the bet you made.
1: You're bringing me down a little bit because everything you said is very true. No one knows how to muck it up like Daniel Snyder. And now he's in, you know, complete control. He bought 100% ownership in the team. So, yay, if you're a Washington fan. Oh, all right, let's go to the NFC
2: North before you bring me down too much. I have the Packers over 10.5. This was, I think this was the toughest division for me, Stats. This was a hard one because... You know, I'm not a Kirk Cousins guy. I can't put any kind of faith into the Vikings, um, although I think they're competent enough to not bet the under. The Bears, I, I don't know what to make out of them. I think, you know, Dalton kind of raises their floor a little bit. Although maybe I, I shouldn't, though, because, you know, what was the Bengals record when they last time he was a full time starter? And then the Lions, uh, I want to say the lines are pointing in the right direction, but I can't say I have with confidence uh, in Jared Goff that like they're going to be able to hit the over in that division especially. So I think it has to be the Packers. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is coming off of this elite season. I still think he can play at a high level. Uh, I think that they're arguably still the best team in the NFC, and I think they can get to over 10.5. I, I feel pretty good about that, actually.
1: All they do since Matt LaFleur has gotten there is go 13-3 and and get to the NFC Championship game. And I think that what we saw last year is Aaron Rodgers buying into the system. I think the first year he was like, I don't know. I want to be able to do my own thing. You look last year. He actually threw 43 fewer passes than 2019. He had almost 300 more yards. And he threw 22 more touchdown passes. Like, we go crazy because Patrick Mahomes threw 50 touchdowns a few years ago. Aaron Rodgers had 48 last year. It's basically the same thing. That is an incredible season. And we all keep saying they need to get Aaron Rodgers more weapons. Well, imagine if they actually got him another receiver to throw out on the field, what he could do. The division stinks. The Browns, uh, the Browns, the Bears, I don't know what the hell the Bears are doing. They're one step away from a total rebuild because they're going to fire their head coach and their GM after this season. You brought up the Lions. The Lions are charging into the year with kneecap fighter Dan Campbell and Jared Goff. Like, that's your threat against Green Bay? No, thank you. I'm not worried about that. The Vikings games will be tough. They usually play Green Bay tough. I agree. If you say they want to split this year, that's fine. But they got two against the Bears, two against the Lions, Arizona, Cincinnati. Those are wins. Like, you can book that now. Unless lightning strikes Aaron Rodgers, the Packers are not losing those games. Now they got to play the NFC West. That's not easy. Maybe they go two and two in those games because that's that's tough. The 49ers play them tough. The Seahawks, the Rams, like those are not going to be easy. But they also have Cleveland, Kansas City Week 18, which is going to be super fun. Like, cannot wait for that game. But basically, they need to win two in my plan of Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Minnesota, and Kansas City. All they got to do is go two and five in those games. And to me, they're hitting the over. So I put my faith in Aaron
2: Rodgers jeopardy host uh on the jeopardy note almost to like the dan snyder point of like weird vibe going on the rogers jeopardy thing is kind of weird right in terms of and like how he's talking recently i think he was on the pat mcafee show and he was like he's been just very very aaron rogers lately in terms of like passive aggressive and like well the future's not in my hands like it's not up to me blah 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 so like i don't know i kind of like I don't know fully what to make of that. I think he's still going to be awesome because he's coming off of the year he was last year. And I, I have faith he's going to be the same player. But I don't know. I just I wonder what that's all about. Like, what is it? Like, because there's an agenda there. Aaron Rodgers is smart. He's doing that for a reason. Is, is this all like a leverage play? Is this him being like he wants to make it like, hey, if you're not going to give me what I want in terms of money or power or whatever, then I'm just going to go host Jeopardy.
1: And here's the thing with the Jeopardy option. If you pass now, it may not come up again for the rest of your life. I mean, how long did Alex Trebek host that show, right? Like, it's not like you get an an opportunity to fill in every five years. So it's now Rogers has said he thinks he could do both at the same time, which would be kind of cool. But the Jeopardy thing, like, you got to consider it because it's a pretty sweet gig. Like, they're not taping a show every day. They tape a bunch of shows in, like, a. I think he said it was, like, 47 days or something. I can't remember the actual number. But it, they don't tape, like, one show a day. They have a yeah. couple of weeks where they tape the whole year worth, and then you don't do anything for the rest of the year. It's a sweet gig. So I, I don't blame Aaron Rodgers for going after it. I do think I agree. He wants a new deal. He wants more money. Uh, and I think so. that's, like, the genesis of where all of these comments are coming from.
2: But you're right. He is super passive-aggressive. Nothing... Uh, You would expect less from Aaron Rodgers Uh, going to the NFC South now stats. Yep. Uh, Talked about them earlier in the show. The Carolina Panthers. (laughs) I'm betting the under on 7.5. And I think I actually wrote this down before they made that trade. uh, because I was like, who's their quarterback going to be? Because is is it going to be Teddy again? I mean, obviously, it's a lock under at that point. And does Darnold change the equation for me? No, why would he? Why would I just believe all of a sudden that Sam Darnold is gonna be way better? I think people have such a misconception, or at least like they don't properly evaluate how players play at one place and say they're bad, and then just be like, oh well they can just be magically great at another place. <laughs> no, I don't I don't buy that at all. I think you can improve to an extent I totally yeah that's reasonable but this like you're just like flipping a switch I mean how often do we even see that like I, I just don't think there's the precedent for that uh, and again people want to bring up Tannehill. I think that's more the exception than it is the rule and I and speaking of rule I'd like Matt rule but uh, I just don't love the quarterback he's betting on here so I'm gonna take the under on that I mean you could make a legitimate argument based on what we have seen
1: that the Panthers actually got worse at quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater threw for 3,700 yards last year. Sam Darnold didn't do that. Granted, different situations, yada, yada, yada. I get it. But just based on what we've seen, Teddy Bridgewater is better than Sam Darnold. So there is an argument that the Panthers today are worse at quarterback than they were two days ago. So I don't blame you for that pick at all. You know where I'm going because you're giving me a chance to rag on the New Orleans Saints and I am taking it. Because let me tell you, their over-under is nine and I'm sorry if your two quarterbacks that you're choosing between are Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill, I'm taking your under. I almost don't care what it is. Every coach Jameis Winston has ever had has said, if I could just get him to stop turning the ball over, he's a good quarterback. And guess what? He never does. This is who he is. And even if they don't go with Jameis Winston, you're giving me Taysom Hill, who, if he was so good, why is he in a quarterback competition with Jameis Winston? Like, None of what they're doing in New Orleans makes sense to me. They're paying Taysom Hill $8 million per yard gained. If you look at his contract and what he put on <laughs> last season, like that is not an efficient spending of resources. I don't love their personnel. Now I do admit their defense was way better than I thought it was. They were top five in yards and points allowed last year, but here's the thing, BLG, they were tied in the league for tied for third in the league for most turnovers forced. That, doesn't usually stick year to year so I think if they if they take the ball away less their defense will actually give up more points and more yards I don't have any faith in New Orleans right now I just I think that Breeze was propping them up now he's gone and they're in trouble
2: the Sean Payton factor makes me want to stay away like I wanted to take the under on this and hammer the under but that Peyton is there, and I feel like he might have a like a, a secret plan up his sleeve, or uh, just something makes me uncomfortable about just thinking this is a lock for the under. I mean, even if he starts Jameis, that's I mean, Jameis did have a nine and seven season in two thousand sixteen. He was seven and nine as a starter with the Bucks a couple of years ago. Now there's you know a seventeenth game, so um, let's say that was an eight and nine season. Like it's not that far off that I think they could they could push on it. Um, I, I, I don't. I mean, I, I don't think their floor with Peyton is like, I think they're winning at least like four or five games still. I don't think this is a team competing for the number one overall pick as much as you might not like, you know, Jameis or Taysom. I think Peyton's a good enough head coach to keep them out of that very bottom. Now, is he good enough to, you know, put them over on that? I don't know, but uh, I'm staying away from it as opposed to betting the under. I, I feel pretty
1: strongly in this one. I just look at their schedule, New England. Obviously, they play Tampa twice, Dallas, Buffalo, Green Bay, Seattle. Those are tough games. And Sean Payton's gone 7-9 and with Drew Brees. Like, you think he's going to win 10 games with Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston? I'm sorry. I don't see it at all. To me, a succession plan at quarterback is one of the most difficult things to have in place. Almost nobody gets it right, not to just totally bag on the Saints. But I think that they are whiffing Big time here. I think they're going to be looking for a quarterback next year, and I don't think
2: there's any way they win 10 games and hit that over. Maybe, uh, I guess the Seahawks wouldn't do it. Would they really trade him in the conference to the Saints?
1: Can the Saints afford him? Aren't they like a zillion yeah. dollars over the cap? I mean, they could fiddle around with it, I guess. What are they giving up, though? I don't know. That's the thing. I don't think their roster is that great, especially on offense. They have, they have Kamara, who is incredible. Like, he had 22 touchdowns last year. I did not realize he scored that many times. He's fantastic. Other than that, what do they have? Michael Thomas? You know how many touchdowns Michael Thomas scored last year, BLG? Zero. zero. Right? That's right. No touchdowns with Sean Payton, the great Sean Payton, as his coach. And I know he missed some time, but zero? I don't, I don't like it in New Orleans. I think something stinks
2: in the bayou. I I just have this fear, like I don't. Maybe it's irrational because I just feel like maybe they're going to do something that I'm not expecting. But uh, I hope you're right. To be clear.
1: <laughs> okay, welcome aboard the Saints hate train. Uh, one division left, NFC West,
2: and I know where you're oh, going. Here it comes. Lo- Go ahead. Easy money on the 49ers under 10.5 wins. That's this thing about. Were, oh, we can just win the Super Bowl with a rookie quarterback. No sweat. Uh, RJ rightfully called you out last week. And look, I don't, you know, it's not like I, I love giving props to RJ here. So you he, he made me do it. But I don't know if you listened to the full extent of the Monday Football Monday podcast stats. But I brought up like you're bringing a big Ben here. I mean, he stunk. He threw more touchdowns or more interceptions than touchdowns. He had, like a, he had a terrible passer rating in his rookie season when he was in the playoffs. He, it was a 68.0 passer rating. 49ers are not going on this tear with a rookie quarterback starting You're for the end, by the way, for me, it, it sounds like it'll be Mac Jones, potentially, because Adam Schefter coming out, supposedly on ESPN radio on Tuesday morning as we're recording this and saying like that he would be shocked if it's not Mac Jones at number three. Now, again, I think I like Mac Jones more the most. I think he has that high floor, but this is still a rookie quarterback in year one. and. I think you are in total denial about where the 49ers stand in the NFL in terms of like it's it's an evolving league stats. It's not status quo. You're in the mindset that I was in. Don't fall into the trap that I (laughs) fell into with the Eagles after the Super Bowl. Like after the 2018 season, I was like, all right, that was just a weird year. You know, they were still coming off the Super Bowl. There's injuries. 2019, they're back, baby. Like this is going to be the team. They're going to go back to the Super Bowl. And guess what? Not even close. So I just feel like you're in the same spot there. I feel like the 49ers have a better chance of finishing last than the NFC West, which I think they will do, which doesn't mean they're going to be a terrible team, by the way. Again, I still think you can go like 8-9, and 9-8, nine, nine and eight and maybe finish west or last in the NFC West. But it is a lock that they're going to win fewer than 10.5 games. I
1: don't think you realize what you're saying when you bring up all those Ben Roethlisberger stats. What you're essentially saying is he doesn't even have to be that good, and you could make a run late into the season. So, you're telling me that your Kyle Shanahan can't make a quarterback perform to that level? Like, to me, I think you're making my case when you say those things. They won one playoff game with Ben yeah. as a rookie. So, yeah. one, that's that's a, they're not going on some Super Bowl run, right? But I'm saying that the quarterback that they bring in is going to be better than Ben was. But regardless, <sighs> it is a high number. I totally agree with you, but I do think it's interesting. You know, you keep telling me how crazy I am. Vegas has the 49ers Super Bowl odds. I think it's like top five in the league. And now the Niners, you know, DraftKings has the Niners over under at 10 and a half. Only three teams have a higher over under than that. So somehow these people that make all their money forecasting how teams are going to do think the 49ers are pretty good, yet somehow I'm the crazy one.
2: Because they know there there are delusional fans out there like you stats (laughs) who are going to waste their money and throw money on this. That's how this happens with the Eagles all the time. There's like so many bets like during the season. It's like, how are the Eagles like favorite in this game? This doesn't even make any sense because they know these fans are going to bet on it. They they have their fingers on the pulse. Stats, I think you're just in total denial about the 49ers. And again, I'm not even saying like they're gonna be garbage. I'm not saying that. I I I'm agreeing with you to an extent of where I think like you can bring in a rookie quarterback and still be respectable. I'm not saying they're only gonna win six games, but 10.5 is a lot in that division when you're going to have the worst quarterback in that division. You keep talking about how like, oh, it doesn't matter because Kyle Shanahan can help hide him. It does matter. You can't just keep pointing to this thing about like uh, Jimmy G attempting eight passes in the NFC Championship game. Like That is the outlier. RJ said it last week. That is not the norm. You can't go into this season expecting that.
1: They had the worst quarterback in the division in 2019 and still went to the Super Bowl. All I'm saying is don't be shocked. If it happens, although I agree, I think they could very easily be 10 and seven this year, which would put them on the under. So I, I yeah. don't think that's necessarily a crazy pick by you. By the way, having to factor in that, that extra game is messing with my mind with these over unders. Like it really, I have to keep going back and adding it up. Like it's been very difficult for me. I did not take the Niners because to me, there's an even easier bet in the division, and that's the Rams over 10 and a half. And let me just state clearly Matthew Stafford can play. Like, I don't know why people don't think he can play, but he's good. And I think, would you agree that he's better than Jared Goff?
2: Yeah. It's not even a question. Yeah.
1: Okay. So Sean McVay won 42 games in four years with Jared Goff. That is tied with Seattle for the second most in the entire league. And you think he's going to win less games with a better quarterback and a number one defense? Like that doesn't make any sense to me. I think this was an easy
2: pick for the over. The defense could fall off a little bit. You know, you lose Staley. I uh, saw the talent there, which is good for the most part. I still think they'll be again a good defense, maybe not quite as good as they were last year. Uh, I do think you know quarterback is a big upgrade. McVeigh, obviously, I like to bag on him because uh, I think the, I think the hype is still disproportionate. But obviously, you know, he's he's a good coach. He's above average coach at the very least. So uh, I don't know. I didn't feel strongly about it, but. I think that's pretty reasonable. What is like the where is the path where the Rams don't hit that? Like where where is the path where things really go wrong? Like what are you realistically expecting that's just going to really blow up and go wrong for them? Save from injuries,
1: like their defense is going to keep them in games and we know Matthew Stafford, you know, can work some magic at the end of some games. And like look at his career, right? He gets drafted to an Owen 16 team that's run by Matt freaking Millen. Then who's his head coach? Your favorite meathead Jim Schwartz, the guy who once tried to fight an opposing head coach because he didn't like his handshake. Like, that's the guy that Matt Stafford got stuck with. If you look, when he had a semi-competent head coach in Jim Caldwell, he went 36-28. and He made -hmm. the playoffs twice and had winning years in three out of his four years. So to me, that says as long as you don't give him a pumpkin as a head coach, he can win you games and be a good quarterback. And I think that's exactly what he has with the Rams, especially when you pair it with that defense. To me, that combination,
2: I take the over and I don't look back. All right. I'm, I'm convinced. You sold me.
1: Yes. Welcome to the dark side. Now I just got to get you there on the 49ers and we'll be good. <laughs> Not happening. That one's not happening. What if? Or what if? Really quick, before we go, like we see the preseason games and the Niners' quarterback just tears it up, just is obliterating
2: what? people. No, won't it's change your mind at Who all. Who cares? No, of course not. No, there's not. No, the no, 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 no. What? What is the precedent? Like, what are you, what are you looking at? Where this is this like going to be this great thing? This rookie you're going to bring in the third quarterback drafted, by the way. And you're saying something like be better than Big Ben. Big Ben's a future Hall of Famer. you like what like what? One of the best rookie seasons for a quarterback? Like at least one of the the better ones ever?
1: Well, wait a minute. I, I just, wait a minute. Did he have a bad rookie season or one of the best rookie seasons for a quarterback? He was ever?
2: bad in the playoffs, which is my point in the, the the previous podcast about how these young quarterbacks do not have playoff success. Good in the regular season, that's possible. But like I just oh, man. I got I got to drop it because I'm not going to win. This is like talking to a wall over here. (laughs) Do you know who Roger Bannister is? No. Tell me.
1: Roger Bannister was the first person to run a sub four minute mile. Before he did it, literal scientists said it is not possible for a human being to run a mile in less than four minutes. Then Roger Bannister did it. And then you know what happened? Everybody started running a mile in less than four minutes. It was like, holy crap, we can do this. And then everyone started doing it. Like, he showed people that it was possible. Same thing I think can happen with the 49ers. Everybody's saying it's not possible. There's no chance they can do it. I think Kyle Shanahan and this rookie quarterback are going to be just like Roger Bannister.
2: No one is saying it's not possible. What would, What is a word you would use to describe that feat of Roger Bannister? Would you say it is exceptional And the thing about exceptional is there are exceptions to the rule, but they are extremely rare. And that's what makes things incredible to bet on such an outcome is foolhardy because it is not the likely thing to happen. Doesn't mean it's impossible. But if we're talking about likely outcomes, it is not a likely outcome. And you seem to think it is like a more than likely outcome, which is just misguided. I'm not saying it's more
1: than likely. I'm saying it's totally possible. And if you think it's not possible, you're insane. And when I'm proven right, I want you and RJ to carry me on your shoulders all around <laughs> town and just proclaim my greatness.
2: Well, hopefully we'll be able to do that uh, at that point. You know, uh, COVID, all, hopefully all behind us and whatnot.
1: Yeah, and we'd actually all have to be in the same state for that to go down too. But like you said, hopefully at some point at the Super Bowl when we're all together, yes. hopefully we can do that. That's going to do it for this edition of the Off Day Debrief. Again, we appreciate Mario and everybody else leaving reviews. Take five seconds. It really does help us. If you like what you hear, make sure you let other people know about it. BLG, I'm going to be proven right. Deal with it. And we'll talk to you next week.
0: First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts.